Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jonathan Goldhill. Jonathan is a business coach and personal strategist who has entrepreneurship in his blood. He grew up in a family that owned one of the largest manufacturers of men's clothing in the United States. He's launched and scaled several multi-million dollar businesses and created the largest nonprofit lending program in California, which financed over a hundred companies. Jonathan also created an award-winning entrepreneurial training program that helped hundreds of companies in a diverse range of industries. Thanks so much for being here today, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me, Diane. Absolutely. We're going to be talking today about family businesses, and so many small businesses are uh, family-owned and and operated. Um, So I think this is a great topic for us to be exploring. I I couldn't agree more. And someone told me a statistic that in India, 97% of all businesses are family businesses. Wow, really? Seems really hard to believe. But I think when you think about most businesses, most businesses, the, the economic unit that they're supporting is the family. And so invariably, there's a spouse that's participating, maybe a young child, maybe other children as they grow up in the business. So it's not surprising. Yeah, I guess not. When you put it that way, I get that that actually makes a lot of sense. And you know, I mean, that's how it used to be, right? Here in in this country, I mean, most companies. I agree. Yeah. yeah yep. It's interesting. I I think that's I, you know I've never seen any history on it, but I would imagine that since the family is the the basic economic unit that that was the community that they were supporting, you know, and then the larger extended community because families have changed so much, Diane, right? The dynamics over the last several decades where um, the car, the airplane, all these things have given uh, everyone mobility and people have moved far away from home where they used to live and stay close to home and maybe live with family members in the home. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I am really curious. So, so um, there is this thing called a disruptive successor and yes. I am fascinated by it. I would like to know <laughs> what it is and sure. um, why are they necessary in keeping a family business vital? Yeah. So I coined the term disruptive successor and I noticed uh, in conversations with some family um, some owners of family businesses who I would call the outgoing generation or the predecessor, they didn't really like the term disruptive successor. And they, they actually said to me, like, why would I want a disruptive successor in my business? And I said, because here's the reason why. Chances are that if you're exiting the business, 
you're probably a boomer age 60 plus. Chances are your industry has changed quite a bit since you started the business. For instance, um, technology, which are, you know, which my children have grown up with, and uh, typically the, the children of boomers have grown up with, there's so much more facile with technology, with software, than the outgoing generation. And so that's one thing that needs to be disrupted in a business. If a business is not leveraging all the technology that is available to it, um, sometimes it replaces labor, sometimes it just speeds up uh, processes, other times it can actually track where your product is, where your people are, where your automobile, you know, your machinery, your pro- your automobiles or trucks are. So technology is something that absolutely has shifted and changed the landscape and it is underutilized by the outgoing generation. So that's one reason, one very obvious reason that you'd want someone who's going to disrupt things a little bit. Um, the other reason is that the products or services that you are selling, um, the way it's being sold today is changed. A lot of it is being marketed maybe through social media or over the web or over the internet. And it has to be positioned in a way that's different from the way you, you might have positioned your original stuff. I mean, your business maybe relied on word of mouth before. Um, and now if the successor wants to build something that's going to support his family and the outgoing generation's family, then they're going to have to build a larger business. And building a larger business means that they're not going to be able to rely on referrals only. They're going to have to build a business that has some marketing, a marketing engine. And that's going to also require technology, by the way. Um, But it's going to require that they change or, or maybe look more carefully at who is their ideal customer. Um, and that is another thing that they're going to do and look at differently. Plus, the purpose of the successor is probably going to be different. In a smaller family business where the parent started the business and it did everything it was supposed to do, it supported him and her, um, if I'm assuming it's, you know, a mother and father, and it supported maybe and the children, maybe it got them a second home. So they did really well. But now there's other families that are coming into the business with each generation, more families uh, appear, more family members, I should say, appear in the business. And the business is going to have to grow to accommodate these other family members. And so the purpose of the business is going to have to be reevaluated because the purpose of the successor is probably not the same purpose of the founder. The founder's purpose might have been just put food on the table, get a home, maybe buy a second home, you know, take care of the family, take care of his key employees. But now the successor's got to look at a much larger purpose that engages more people in the vision. So those are a few reasons. Yeah, boy, <laughs> those are great reasons. And the thought that keeps running through my head is what got you here won't get you there. Exactly. Well, that, interestingly enough, was going to be the title of my book. But Marshall Goldsmith, the uh, yeah. one of the top executive coaches in the world, had already claimed that title. And so anyone searching for that term would have found 
his book probably first, not mine. But anyone searching for disruptive successor, I own those words in the marketplace. Aha, there you go. Um, talk to me some about the next gen leader and, and who they need to be in order to be able to lead a family business, yeah. take over that leadership position. So um, three traits that I think um, leaders need to be, and this falls in line with what Pat Lencioni about, wrote about in his book, The Ideal Team Player, is they need to be humble, hungry, and smart. So humble, they need to have the humility to recognize that they don't know it all, and uh, hungry, they have to have an appetite to grow, to learn, like we always say leaders are readers, leaders are learners, um, and they have to be smart, meaning they have to be people smart. They have to understand and really get people um, because they need to be able to create followership. So I think it's so important. Leaders, uh, uh, the next gen, need when they come into a family business, right, they might be viewed by some of the older employees who have been there much longer with the uh, mother, father, aunt, uncle, whoever was running the business. And they're going to maybe view this young person or younger person. And I, I think of a next-gen leader as typically a millennial age 25 to 40. They're going to view this person um, maybe a little skeptically, maybe you know not fully trusting because now it's a new ball game, right? Now, maybe this older employee is going to be asked to do things they never were asked to do before, like maybe use technology to track their time um, or their, um, you know, their activities. And that level of accountability maybe didn't exist before under the prior generation. So the, the younger generation needs to be humble in the face of these older people and willing to uh, be understanding. You know, I think the biggest, the most popular word thrown about with leaders today, and I think next gen need to embrace this as much as, as anybody or more, is empathetic. They need to have empathy to, un to know that the people that they've inherited maybe have a very different orientation or mindset than they do. And they may not be keepers in the next you know, version or iteration of the company. So the, the leaders need to be very compassionate and empathetic. And, and uh, you know, creating followership, especially when you're an inheritor uh, of the business, it's gonna require that you have the technical knowledge and understanding of the business. No one's gonna respect you if you don't understand the job that everyone does, you know, in the business. I, I remember working in a restaurant and thinking that if I ever wanted to be general manager, it would be really good to start in the kitchen, bussing tables, and then move on to being a waiter. And then possibly if I had the talent, move on to working in the kitchen. So you need to work in the front of the house, the back of the house. To be able to be a general manager, you need to understand everyone's job. And I use that as an example because everyone can relate to a restaurant. Sure. Um, but a lot of business owners, they, they've never owned uh, uh, or never worked in a restaurant before. So they maybe owned another type of business and they may not treat the, the bus boys or the kitchen staff all that well. 
And we all know that the strength of a team is maybe the ultimate competitive advantage. And when a team works really well together, the business can be great. So, I mean, of course, you have to have a great product or service, but you rely on your team to, to, to bring that to the market. Right, because a great product or service isn't enough. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I mean, so many things are coming into my mind right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, and so um, one of the questions that kept running through my mind when you were talking about that was, and you were talking about, you know, now there's more family members and, and whatever, and is um, it seems to me that not every member of the family should necessarily be working in the business. I agree. So, so agree. I think that everyone ought to apply if they're interested, but a difficult conversation is going to ensue when they don't have the aptitude or, or um, they don't fit culturally in the business. Um, for instance, you know, we, we talk the flip side of empathy and compassion and technical skills is arrogance. And so we see that with entitled people who, because they've been raised or born into the business, or maybe because they came from having money and where the other ones, uh, other people did not, um, they can be very disrespectful to other people. And so this disrespect is never going to create followership, right? Right, right. Because it's about trust. It's about trust, exactly. And it, to build that trust, you need to have been able to walk in someone else's shoes. Yeah, right, right. And, so yeah so yeah i mean it's so uh it, it's so important for uh leaders to really work on and develop themselves um and i i think that this uh this notion that millennials or the z generation whatever the next generation is that they sometimes appear very entitled and that can come off as arrogant and they won't be liked Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think it's I, I forgot what the question was diane no, no. but it, it, it's great i mean okay absolutely yeah because i was you know asking about not everyone in the family but i'm really glad you brought up this thing about millennials appearing to be entitled because um that is definitely something that i hear a lot i'm a boomer i i hear it a lot from boomers um I don't necessarily see them that way. So, you know, that that's a, a little tough for me, but, um, but, but it sounds like that's an opportunity for these next gen family members to get an education about what it really takes to be a leader for all generations. Yeah. You know, I'm reflecting on a, um, a couple of stories that are coming to my mind. And uh, one is a, uh, a, a woman who is a client of mine who took over her father's construction company. And uh, the father's still involved and still owns it 100%. And 
she's doing a great job. Um, they got along always so well. So she was a natural partner. Um, but they've had not great progress in terms of transferring the ownership um, and the control. The control the control transferred over to the younger generation, but ownership has not. And I watched as another uh, sibling came into the business and the sibling did a great job in the business, but decided really very early on that this was not the business that she wanted to be involved in. And so even though she did well, um, she didn't want to be there. And so I think sometimes people have to recognize that it's not the right thing for them. Um, so I, yes. you know, right. And that's okay. Yeah. It's, right? it's totally fine. I mean, being part of the family business really has some great advantages, right? I mean, you sure. typically will be given more opportunity to advance more quickly. Um, I like the idea that a family member coming into the business rotates into different positions. They might yeah. go from marketing into sales, um, from sales into finance, finance into operations, or you know, but looking for where their their strengths are and putting them into their their strength zones, so to speak, is is really an opportunity that very few other people get, except in a very small business where you're wearing a lot of hats. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information. How much do you understand the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Do you also subscribe to the belief that um, a, fam a younger family member before they come into the business should go work at other businesses? Yes, so, very much okay, so. Talk some about that. Would you yeah, I think that the you know what happens is when they join the business right out of school is they it's too easy to have an entitlement mentality for for one um when they're educated uh, as uh, and they're told look i'd love to have you in your business in my business but i think you should go out and try other jobs try other careers and by the way 
you know, what you learn outside of the family business can be really valuable when you come into the business. The, the problem, I think, lies in that a lot of family members, mothers or fathers, might be insecure that they won't come back and they won't join the family business. And so I think sometimes they get trapped in the family business, but that doesn't do either the parents or the successor uh, a service. It does a disservice because they may not be there of their own choosing, of their own volition. Right. Yeah. Right. Challenging, right? Ugh, yeah. 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 So, so I think that's really important is that people choose to be there and they have to be encouraged to be entrepreneurial um, unless the, the parents are just so young and so vibrant that they're really just looking for someone who's a great manager to manage the operation. And then maybe later in, in decades to follow, they can be more entrepreneurial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big key, too. It is. I mean, my focus is working with um, this next generation leader that inherits something from their parent and wants to take it to a whole new level. They want to take the business and to double it to 10 times, you know, two to 10 X, as I say, the business. And maybe that's a rare person, but they've been given an incredible springboard. Uh, now the question is, do they have the appetite? Were they given the education? Um, and that, that remains to be seen. Yeah, right. And what is the uh, be, do, have mindset? So, you know, um, a lot of people have the opposite uh, mindset, which is have, do, be. When I have a million dollars, I'll do the things that I love and I'll be rich. And I'll be the person that I authentically wanted to be. And I think that that may not serve people so well. Um, the power of the be, do, have mindset is that when you start to be, be the person that you want to be, um, so you want to be like a millionaire, then you do the things that millionaires do, and then you'll have the millions that you need. So it, it kind of flips things uh, upside down. And it's a pretty popular concept among life coaches. Um, and maybe, I don't know that business coaches use it too much, but, you know, the, you know, have is like what you achieve, do is what needs to be done to make it happen. And, and B is, you know, who's the, per who do you need to be as a person to authentically uh, be that way? And that, that's how you need to behave. So does that make sense? It really does. It, it really does. And it makes so much sense for, um, for next generation leaders to, um, I, it feels to me, so, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like it's really important for these um, leaders who are coming into their space because it feels like that mindset lends itself to humility and learning and, yep. you know, walking the path first. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, so let's use it in the frame that we were referencing, we were using it. So if you want to be um, 
the CEO of your family's business, then you'll have to do CEO stuff, uh, more and more of it. And then you will have followers who will believe that you're the CEO and will follow you. Yeah. I think that's following with the yeah. metaphor that we've been using. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Now, um, what, let, let's talk about the strategic business playbook. What mm -hmm. is it? You know, what are the elements of it? So, yeah, I put together in my book, a seven P's playbook. Um, and I think it's handy uh, to have a framework. Let's talk about first, what is a playbook or a framework or an operating system? Um, it's a set of uh, like processes maybe that you follow that gets everyone aligned around how do, things are done in the business. So if that makes sense, um, it's in my playbook, the, f I, I, the first item is purpose. People, the, the disruptive successor needs to figure out and redefine what is his or her purpose and why is that something that's going to lift the company up. Then the second P is planning. To get everyone aligned on the same page um, around growth, around where they're going to be in one year, three years, 10 years, around who their core customer is, what the core values are, what the purpose of the company is, what the issues are that need to get solved. You need to plan and you need to get people involved in a room planning. Um, the third P is you have to reevaluate the products and services for relevancy. Um, do you need to change the business model? Do you need to inject uh, or implement some technology that makes your product or service easier to sell, easier to use, um, easier to buy. Um, so the fourth P is people. Uh, to be a successful leader, you have to hire and uh, you have to attract the right people. You have to hire them. You have to have a great onboarding process. You have to have uh, a, a retention program that keeps people sticking around. And then you have to have some kind of an evaluation program so that you're keeping your A and B players and you're removing the C players. You have to know what the priorities are for the company. Everyone should have, I think, um, anywhere from one to three or maybe up to a handful of priorities in a given 90-day period or a given quarter. And there should be visibility to each other as to how you're performing against those priorities um, and it should be something that's going to move the business, the department for, forward. Um, you have to have good standard operating procedures or processes that are followed by all um, and documented. And people know where this documentation lies so they can follow it like a cookbook. And then performance. And that's where you're really measuring your profitability, how the balance sheet is improving, how cash position is improving, maybe how your enterprise value is increasing. So that's my playbook. And I, I just believe that in a family business, um, if you're going to try and grow the company, um, that you need to have some kind of growth manual with growth tools that is going to help you to do that.
So that's what I put together. Yeah, I, I really like that. And and I so agree with you. One of the one of the reasons I think that is so valuable is because it takes the personal, you know, the emotion yes. out of things and keeps it focused on the the goals of the business. Hundred yeah. percent. Because when it becomes personal, yeah. it becomes political. Yeah. And I don't mean Republican, Democrat. I mean, you know, what's mine, what's his, what's hers, um, finger pointing, blaming. That's we want to get out of that kind of uh, being a victim. If we're going to succeed, succeed together, then we have to have a, a, like a handbook that we're going to operate by. And I think one of those really important things in the handbook is and I put this under my purpose, is like, what are our core values? What are the operating behaviors that we're going to all live and, and die by? You know, hire and fire by. Um, reward and, and, uh, and remove people based on. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be really clear so that everyone understands the expectations and the consequences attached to them. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. So interesting. Um, it feels to me like a next generation coming in and, and figuring out what their purpose is and coming up with these ideas and plans and strategies can be, can feel threatening to the outgoing generation. Is that a fair? I, I think so. So that requires the outgoing generation to also be humble um, and to be smart and to know when to let go so they can enjoy their life. And they need to be oftentimes coached into how to exit the business. Yeah. So if they have never spent time or a lot of time away from the business, they're going to need to learn how to build a life outside of the business. Um, that's going to be really important. And they're going to have to learn when to trust uh, their, ch their child or the next gen leader in the decisions that are being made. Um, and, you know, they're going to need to learn when to let go. So uh, I think where families fail to scale is when uh, I see it typically with male figures. More men, of course, started businesses during the baby boomer period than women. And so these men, they work until their 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, and they still stay in control. And this is really damaging uh, to the confidence of the next gen leader. And so I, I don't care whether it's a, a man or a woman, but if they're not, if they're failing, to pass the baton in the business uh, or the torch or whatever you want to call it. The, you know, if they're fa fa failing to do any kind of financial planning, succession planning, um, talking about exiting, you know, getting their key employees involved, then th these types of transitions don't work all that well. There's too many untold stories, you know, there's too many assumptions that people make. I'm sorry, Diane. No, no, no you're, you're fine. It, it feels to me like 
Um, they also run a really big risk that the next generation is going to say, you know, I can't wait forever. I'm moving on. Exactly. So, right? And then there's no one to take it over. Exactly. So that's definitely a big problem. Yeah. It's really short-sighted, right? I mean, I, I know mm -hmm. ego gets in the mm -hmm. way of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, Do you have any examples or one example of like a successful family tradition? I mean, transition. Sure. Sure. Um, so there's a, a, a character in my book is a real character, actually real person. And I've been working with him and his family for seven years. And now maybe he's an unusual person. He's uh, in his early thirties and he took over the business probably at the age of 26. Um, mom and dad started the business. Mom and dad went through a divorce during the early period of his taking over the business and mom left. And then mom got bought out and dad was really trusting of his two children. This one who was the CEO and the other who was basically, we'll call him the COO. He really was trusting that his kids could build the business much larger than he ever envisioned and that they had the drive. And that despite not having maybe, um, college educations, um, that they had the, the hunger and they also had the humility to be able to take the family business to a whole new level. So um, in working with this company, when I started working with them, uh, he took over, there were maybe 20 employees. Uh, dad had, and mom and dad had run a business with 10 or 15 employees and made a nice living for themselves. And now the company has got three families to support. And actually, there's other family members and um, relatives that are joining the business. And the business has over 120 employees today. Oh, my goodness. So it's quite a growth, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it, it is a success story. And I think largely the untold story here is that had the father not gotten out of the way, um, had the mother not left the business, um, this might not have happened. And the son, who really had the drive, might have gone elsewhere. But because the family was so healthy, so you know, high-functioning, there was trust and support, and they engaged in healthy conflict with each other. Because of all that, the business has succeeded very well under this young man's leadership. And the father continues to participate. But he's not as big a contributor as the younger, more hungrier, you know, generation of leaders are. It's a yeah, great boy. story. Yeah, it's a great story. And one of the things that I picked out of it and, and heard loud and clear was um, how healthy the family is in the way they communicate, decision make, you know, that, yes. that's got to contribute greatly to the success of that situation. Yep. And so I, I think what differentiates me from a family, from family business coaches is that I, when talking to a lot of other family business coaches, they seem to um, get assignments where there's quite a bit of dysfunction among family yeah. members. And 
I don't know if it's just that I'm putting out there that I'm looking for healthy families, <laughs> but uh, I think it's like, I'm really looking at working with growth leaders of entrepreneurial mm-hmm. companies. The fact that they're family owned means that I tend to feel like I'm part of their family and mm-hmm. they treat their employees like family and we have great relationship. But typically these are highly um, functional families as opposed to what you might find in the, the, the Roy family on HBO's Succession, yeah. where the, the fighting that goes on between these siblings is, you know, it's quite disgusting at times. Yeah, right. Yeah. And challenging, right? Super challenging. And, yeah. you know, I don't think that a consultant could probably even handle that family. Yeah, I think you're right. And and the consultant needs to know that it's above their pay grade, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It certainly would be above mine. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, I really, yeah. I'm so appreciative that you join me and explain these things. I think this is a lot um, to, to think about and understand and is so very important for these family businesses as they go through whatever, you know, transitions they're going through. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Diane, for having me on the show. Absolutely. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and, and your book? And Yeah. So uh, probably the easiest way is to chat with me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Goldhill. Um, you could find my book at and download a free chapter at Disruptive Successor. If you know you want it, just go straight to Amazon and purchase Disruptive Successor, a guide for driving growth in your family business. So, Excellent. yep. That's really great. Thank you. I appreciate it, I, I think. And, you know, interestingly, I know we talked really about family businesses, but a lot of the leadership information is true for anybody in, in any sort of business. hundred so, percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, as I said, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.